0: Welcome to the Changemakers podcast brought to you by Graf Martin Communications, where we discuss ministry, marketing, and leadership for good. I'm your host, Ellen Graf Martin, and each episode you get to join me in conversation with some of the most interesting changemakers and groundbreakers from across Canada and beyond. Let's be honest, probably every leader needs a psychologist as a friend. And today you get to sit in on my conversation with my friend, Dr. Mary Lynn. Dr. Mary is a clinical psychologist with over 25 years of clinical experience, and she is the author of The Fully Lived Life. If you ever wanted to talk to a psychologist about leadership, this episode is for you. We talk about our personal stories of walking through grief while leading, on becoming the person you actually like as a leader, we talk about success and insecurity and our tendency to build a wall around our hearts. I think this content will really help you in all areas of your life, and it's a conversation every leader needs to have. Let's jump in and listen to my conversation with Dr. Marilyn. I'll tell you, one of the ways that you are a change maker is that you have been instrumental in how God is helping change me. Mm. <laughs> so I'm so just so you know, so Mary and I have actually known each other for a number of years in some way, like in a small way. Yeah. And you were really encouraging. I remember, um, so my daughter almost passed away when she was a baby. And I remember having a, con- I don't know even why we were having a conversation shortly after that. And you were so good at talking to me about mm-hmm. her experience and what we were going to need to think about therapy wise. And mm-hmm. like you were just a really kind friend to me mm-hmm. then. Thank you for saying that. And. And yeah, you might not even remember that conversation, but it was really kind. And then we've had kind conversations that were smart, wise conversations here and there. Mm. And then it was in the fall of 2018. We were both at a conference and I... And we I, met each other's yeah, eyes across yeah. the room. I was recovering from a concussion. Oh, yes, I was I struggling. Remember that. Yeah. And you were talking about publishing a book. And we talked about, you know, what if we met mm-hmm. kind of monthly or mm-hmm. regularly? Yeah. And just did like, I remember you saying like an iron sharpens iron That's thing. Right. And just I was encouraging like encouraging each other. That sounds great. Yeah. But we didn't really know each other very well. But it was good. Like yeah. it was a step of faith.
1: In well, a way. Well, it's interesting, like you don't know each other, but yet we know each other on mm-hmm. such a deep level.
0: Yeah, but I don't even yeah. know like if you have siblings and all of that. So funny. Yeah, but we and so yeah. we're kind of intense. So we dove deep yes. fast. Is that yes. fair to say? Yes. And and I and you have really helped me because there have been a lot of changes for me, good, really good things mm-hmm. in the last year. There's also hard things, and that's the life of leadership. Um, and just life. That's just life. But I think one of the ways you're a changemaker is by you've been an amazing support to me. I just mm-hmm. want to say that from the beginning. Yeah. And then the other thing, um, like, and so I, I know how you're helping change me. Mm. I don't know how, like when I'm like, how are you a changemaker? I know you're a changemaker, mm-hmm. but you've had a word that God gave you that is your word that is all about change. Right. When you said
1: changemaker, I'm like, um, it, it doesn't necessarily resonate with me, but the word the Lord had given me is catalyst. Hmm. So it's being able to call out what I see in people To be a part of um, seeing God's purposes working out in people's lives To see the potential that they have To be able to like see the beauty that's in them Mm -hmm. and call it out Oh my goodness, that's just such a joy for me So what does that look like? How do you do that? Uh, I don't know, you'd have to get into my head a little bit Because it just feels like part of me So I meet somebody and I just can already see who God wants them to be, even if they're shrouded by shame or they're hiding behind fear or even people who come across and they're not necessarily likable because they're angry Mm. or they're bitter. And I can see the potential in them. And I think every one of us needs somebody who believes in them. Mm. And when I can come alongside somebody and see that and call it out and, um, encourage them. And they, they have the sense that I really believe in them and I am for them. Then, uh, it frees them up to step into that. Um, so I think that's probably a way of capturing. I mean, you're asking me questions that I don't like, I don't tend to analyze that about myself. Yeah. Yeah. I also love new things and new ideas. I'm an ideas person. So, um, you know when i see a group of people together i'm the one who's always like oh let's try this or let's try that <laughs> great i love sometimes it sometimes crazy sometimes a little bit walking on the edge of breaking rules with that but like it's part of the adventure of discovery and so i have had the privilege of starting ministries and businesses and just different things So I guess that's change. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm.
0: And I think, you know, when you're talking about a catalyst, Mm -hmm. our friendship has been a catalyst Mm. for me. And so I've seen you practically do that. So you're leading me as a leader Mm. by doing that. So Mm. you really are a change maker. You really are. And, okay, I could go a thousand different ways. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I (laughs) mean,
1: it's not something that I've thought about that way because it's just part of how I do friendship. yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think... I mean, I I mentioned to you that one of the groups of people, like for our listeners who are especially young leaders, Mm. that they wouldn't necessarily call themselves leaders. And and actually one of the leaders I was talking, she is a leader, but when I was talking to her, she said that actually makes her kind of like recoil a little bit. It makes it she's like, she said, okay, it wasn't recoil. It was a very different word. It was like, it makes me feel like itchy or something. Itchy. Mm. (laughs) like just really, so like, ew. like creepy, yeah, creepy, like it's an icky sort yeah, of a thing, yeah, um, but you've been a leader in a lot of different ways, so do you feel that way, like how do you feel about leadership
1: it's it i I would say i I don't necessarily call myself a leader, same thing, I just um, I just like to make things happen, <laughs>
0: yes,
1: yeah, <laughs> uh, if that's leadership, um. Back to that whole relationship piece and loving people, I've always uh, loved being generous with people and mm. seeing them flourish. So, is that a definition of leadership? Um, maybe. I, I I love to make people look good. <laughs> that sounds that sounds <laughs> funny.
0: Well, that's good. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think when when someone says like leadership sounds icky, if you say well leadership. Um, Is actually making other people look good. That's a very
1: different definition. I think so. I think maybe the traditional idea of leader is um, authoritative, autocratic, um, you know, and especially for a woman. And and maybe that's what she's speaking to is Mm -hmm. being a female leader is that if you are a strong female leader, then you're um, what's that word? (laughs) (laughs) That <laughs> <laughs> I can't yeah. say on, yeah. on uh, yeah. the podcast here, but like, uh, yeah. And so that could be part of the resistance to that title of yeah. leader and maybe the sense of responsibility. Right. Because,
0: yeah.
1: you know, responsibility and duty are strong. You know, we've talked about mm-hmm. this you and I mm-hmm. and just the
0: weight of that. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that you and I have talked about, and I think it's a mutual Well, correct me if I'm wrong, Mm because I don't want to put anything on you. But I think a mutual struggle that we have Mm -hmm. is around the weight of expectation of others and our leadership. And one of the things that we have talked about, and I'm sure that we are not the only ones, and I will say this, that I am am wrestling through um, a lifetime of superstardom. Mm. And I don't mean that I'm a superstar, but this pressure to be um, the best at what I do. Yeah. All you know, and they yeah. it sounds really good. You know, always do your best, always do more than is expected. Um, and always shine.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And like they make signs, they're a Dollarama, like shine all the time, sparkle, mm-hmm. never lose God, your sparkle. Just so much pressure. <laughs> never lose your sparkle. I actually oh bought that sign because it had cute sequins, but it's okay. no well, sequins will <laughs> the make, sequins it. make it. But but for real, it I mean it, this is such pressure and super high expectation. And so there's almost like a breaking point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially when you layer on top of that being a Christian leader, mm-hmm. then you have to be like Jesus. Yeah. So <laughs> like, how perfect. do you deal with that? Well, I'm learning and we're learning together, but how do you yeah, do Actually, it? Actually, I would say that this
1: year has been an interesting year with that for me because, uh, I'm a two on the Enneagram, and that's a whole other conversation. Mm. So I love to rescue people, which is a whole other conversation. Yes. But um, with that comes a huge sense of responsibility. And on top of that, it's trying to be good. Mm -hmm. So there's this constant striving to be the best person I can be. And I also came to realize that in relationship, I often feel like I, to feel that uh, value, I have to outgive the other person. Mm. Right. So if you're giving more to me, then somehow I feel insecure in our relationship and I have to outgive. And I came to realize that, and this is so like foolish in my thinking because it's not even possible. And my relationship with God, I have to outgive him.
0: Mm.
1: So it's that moving into that sense of earning. um, And I know logically that that's not possible, but like I have to prove myself or earn my way. Mm And because as a female leader, you're constantly affirmed for, uh, like people call me things like Mm -hmm. racehorse, superstar, Mm -hmm. and all that. And Mm -hmm. honestly, it just makes me want to do more of Mm -hmm. that, right? More pressure. Yeah. Pressure to perform. So it's, you know, the Lord has been trying to bring to death this whole striving duty performance part of myself. And just to be able to rest in how He loves me and who He's created me to be. And what's interesting uh, in that is I've come to realize how many parts of my false self I've presented um, mm. because of wanting to please people or earn their approval or earn even God's approval. And um, it's been an a interesting experience because when you let those false selves go, like who is the true self that's coming forward? And uh, I think I'm starting to like her. That's so good. Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I still struggle with, and I have to regularly get slapped by my friends that (laughs) I'm saying self-denigrating
0: things. Right. And here, so here's a question, Mm -hmm. because I think that this is a trap I fell into because of the time I came into, well, before I was a leader, I was just learning whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that a Christian leader looked a certain way. Mm. Yes. And that I needed to perform to that standard that was an imaginary standard, but was also very real. And the bar keeps moving up, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. So how did you perceive that standard for you? Because it's going to be different for you than it is for me. We grew up in totally different contexts, different cultures, like all different families. Mm -hmm. So I know what it looked like for me, but what did it look like for you? Well, my culture, I have to be a doctor, an engineer, or a lawyer or something.
1: So you check the box. You checked a doctor. the box. Well, I can't stand this out of blood, so I'm not like a, <laughs> yes. I'm a head doctor. I was always told I was smart, so I have to use my mind. So those were some of the standards and I was always told I was a good girl. And I'm mm. saying this in quotes yes. here. yeah. So what does that mean? So uh, being raised in a Christian home, it became all about achievement, performance, uh this external measure that I was continuously chasing. And when you layer on top of that um, gifts around people Mm -hmm. and leadership, wow, like it's all up to you. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I never chased leadership. I just did not. It just um, seemed to find me. I just Mm -hmm. seemed to, um, I'd start something and then people would gravitate towards that thing. And then before I knew it, I was leading people. So that's why I never thought of the word leader. But I think it came out of uh, the strengths that the Lord has given me, but it did come out of dysfunction, if I were to be really honest, as well. Yeah. And that's the drive. That's that thing that led ultimately to burnout Mm -hmm. uh, because of that push to continuously uh, achieve uh, some hidden standard of what Mm -hmm. it should look like. Mm -hmm. And, And then on top of that, I think... I learned to fear because, you know, self-awareness is something that's really important to me. Well, when you're self-aware, you're constantly looking at all the things that you're doing incorrectly and the wrong thoughts and the wrong motives. And, uh, you know, you talk about self-promotion, the struggle when you have a public ministry that mm-hmm. oh, I don't want it to be about me. Mm-hmm. So when you have that, then you, you are like in your head all the time thinking about these things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think, uh, uh pushes at least it pushed me to try harder uh and that's what ultimately I got. at one point I was like serving in six ministries It was pretty oh. crazy oh,
0: that's
1: yeah that's,
0: okay there's a lot to unpack I we know, can talk I, for know hours, I know and I think so here's a question I have because we have so you're my psychologist friend, yes <laughs> so, I guess, so you're my psychologist friend, and I need to debrief on something on something I read because of something you just said, okay. So I read an article about a year ago that I have wrestled with Mm. because it was talking about how many Christian leaders, or I think it was actually pastors or mega church pastors are narcissists. Oh, and I'm not going to lie. It scared me Mm -hmm. as a leader, as a Christian leader into like, and so this probably means that I'm not because I was going to say that it scared me. And I like read the, the qualities of a narcissist. And I was like, do I check any of the boxes? What do I do? Like I was actually, it actually scared me, mm-hmm. but I think that's one of those things. I think there's a fear in, am I a narcissist? Like I need to, I need to promote things or people who won't come to my church or they're not engaged in my ministry or like how will anybody ever know Jesus if they don't show up? Mm-hmm. But then there's also that like there is a true, what, like, okay, help me unpack that article. Is it true, do you think?
1: Uh, well, I think all of us probably have some level of narcissism in us. I mean, narcissism is about looking internally. But like you said, a true narcissist doesn't recognize their narcissism. The fact that you are aware of it and are fighting it is already a sign that that's not an issue for you. (laughs) Um, But I think uh, that when you are called to positions of influence, it's hard to separate the shadow part of yourself Mm. that loves the applause, that loves the praise, that struggles to um, separate out what's me and what's God and and who's God calling me to be. Uh, For me, um, interestingly enough, what it's done is it's moved me, unfortunately, I think, to cause me to hold back.
0: Mm.
1: To to hold back because of fear of my own pride and fear of my own sin nature, uh, my desire for the praise of men. Uh, But I think it's caused me to hold back because I don't want people to, be jealous or mm. judgmental or I don't want people to feel bad. So I was always the kid who when I played games, I hated playing games because first of all, I hated to lose because I was competitive. <laughs> yes, but I hated But I hated to win because I didn't want people to feel bad. Yes. yes. So that kind of kept me in this weird place. And I think I've brought it to today in that um, you know, I I I do love. Doing things that can be very public, and I love to influence and I love to speak and whatever it might be. But then I don't love making people feel bad. Right. So then I feel trapped sometimes in that struggle.
0: And do you think men feel that? Because I feel that same struggle. Mm. I feel like my success can be perceived as the diminishment of someone else. Exactly. And do you think men feel the same? Or is is that a specifically women in roles of influence? So instead of saying leadership, but women in roles of influence thing? Well, I would say that um,
1: maybe when men are in competition, they're more overt about it. And um, whereas when women are, it, it's not always obvious. And so I pick up more on the vibes. And to be honest, some of the most unkind comments have come from other women,
0: mm.
1: which makes me sad to yeah. think that. And I would say throughout my career, it was the women who were threatened rather mm. than the men. Uh, the men, I could actually work quite easily with men. Uh, so that, that's been where I don't want to do that to other women. I do not want to do that mm-hmm. to other women. So like for me, one of my ministry is to young female leaders, and I love working with them because I want to feed into them. I don't mm-hmm. want to diminish them. I don't want them to be diminished. So um, my spiritual director told me recently, we were processing this whole thing. And she said, she challenged me, and oh man, it hit me between the eyeballs. When you make yourself less, when you're diminishing yourself, do you think you're diminishing God in you? And I was like, boom. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, If God has made me this way, which is to be a leader, which is to influence and to speak and to have that public platform as well as private, I know that and I don't step into that because I'm afraid of my own pride or I'm afraid of what people will think or I'm afraid of being judged for not being Christian,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then am I diminishing God in me? And uh, a really mm-hmm. good friend of mine told me, and she has a quite a large platform and uh, many followers, and she says God really convicted her when he told her, are you stewarding your influence well? And mm-hmm. when I'm hiding away or making myself less because I'm afraid of threatening others or whatever it is, then I'm not stewarding my influence well. Mm -hmm. So I think if I were to speak to the young women listening now is that if you have been called to positions of influence or leadership to steward it well and not let your own insecurities about what people think about you or um, your own fear of yourself and your shadow mission, like be Mm self-aware, Self-leadership is so key Mm -hmm. and track with it. But like trust the Lord with your shadow side. Trust him to convict you, to change you. And he's going to change you throughout your lifetime. And you're going to mess up big time. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Don't wait until you're all fixed Mm -hmm. before you step into that position. Like, Just go ahead and trust him that he's working on you as you Mm -hmm. go through it. And open yourself up to amazing uh, other women who are likewise in the same journey. Uh, and, and and be transparent with them and let them into your life and let mm-hmm. them call you on things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which you've been
0: doing for me. Yes.
1: Well, <laughs> you, you have. You and me too. Like, you've mm-hmm. been doing that for me too. Uh, and that's part of what I've appreciated. Our friendship didn't come out of a place of, I want something from you or you want right. something from me. It just naturally evolved because we just kind of clicked and felt the Lord was drawing us together. And I, you, ha- you have a side of your business side that really helps me when I think about, uh, what I'm doing with my ministry and my leadership and my influence. Mm -hmm. Uh, you say things so beautifully to me that I can hear you. Oh, good. Far more than than (laughs) I can sometimes hear from other
0: people. Oh, yeah. I'm so grateful to hear that. And I think, I mean, I think that speaks to exactly what you were just saying uh, about stewarding your influence well. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if instead of asking someone, you know, if they're a leader, If you said, are you stewarding your influence well? Because that's essentially the same thing. It's a new definition Mm -hmm. for leadership, right? Mm -hmm. Is stewarding your influence well is leading. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if people would think less icky about that. Like, I feel good. When I think about that, I feel less pressure. Right, because the there's this really strange image of leadership when I hear leadership. Like I feel like a really boring book mm-hmm. that I need to read. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just one, but like 18 that mm-hmm. I haven't read yet. And that I'm going to feel bad because I haven't memorized the models in exactly. each one of them. And I'm doing the five steps of healthy leadership. I actually feel sweaty thinking about it. <laughs> like I feel like, oh, I feel sweaty <laughs> thinking about it. But I feel like that. I feel like it's like a six foot two man <laughs> who is... Um, has f- thirty five years of experience, mm. and like that's how I feel and leadership and a beard <laughs> or like a really strong jawline. Okay, and, you know, but that that's in a way, and I I don't know why in my mind when someone says leadership because I've always been a leader since I was a little girl. I was a leader, but I wouldn't have called myself well, that.
1: Were you ever criticized for your leadership? Were you told that you were too much?
0: I was told that I was bossy a lot. Right. So I mean, and. You know, I wasn't told, I, so now I, with my daughter, I try to say she has leadership skills, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's, it really is bossy. But, you know, if, if I had a boy, would I call him bossy? I would tell him to calm it down and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not steward so his influence well. Steward his influence. I mean, yeah. I that's the thing that we have to start saying.
1: Um, the other thing too, is I think we have to stop thinking so much about where the Lord is taking us down the road and just mm. be faithful in the little step in front of you. So whether it's the little Bible study you're running or the moms group or at work um that's what I've begin you know part of the challenge of being a visionary is that I can see 5 mm. 10 20 50 years down the road and I want it now. And I put pressure on myself to be now there. Right. And I can't be. And so what I've I've been learning is Knowing myself well and my strengths and operating out of the best version of myself that I can. But also trusting God that he knows me well because he designed me that way. And that each step of the way, he's the one who's calling me forward. And if I steward each of those steps forward well, like I think about where I am right now, and I could never have imagined where I'd be today mm. if you had asked me this 10, 20 years ago what I'm doing. Because it's just an idea that in retrospect I see is God's prompting and my just following it through and each step of the way. And then before you know it, like he's doing crazy things. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. okay, so you're calling it leadership or you're calling it ministry or whatever. I would not have thought of it because I'm just living it. Right. It's just who you are. It's just who I am. Yeah. I'm trying to be just
0: who I am. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, that's so good.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And... um, we just have so many things to talk about, <laughs> but you know, one of the things that you and I have both experienced as we've stewarded mm-hmm. our influence well, mm-hmm. um, is going through seasons of loss mm. while having to lead others. Yeah, And, um, so in 2015, I lost my dad. And for me, it was such a radical identity shift that I wasn't prepared for mm-hmm. I, I like I had a really good dad um, with his a lot of his own strengths and weaknesses and all of those things yeah. to grapple with but they were his mm-hmm. and I think like I felt pretty I felt like pretty solid in who I was and then he died. Mm-hmm. And I realized that, and that and was hard actually to be a grieving leader, mm-hmm. still having people expect things of you, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, but then also grappling with identity shift
1: mm-hmm. after that,
0: because you have your identity as a child first, Yeah. and then all of these other things come and you grow an influence outside of that experience. And then, and then you've gone through that pretty recently mm-hmm. um, as well. And so how do you lead even in a season of loss. And, and I, so I actually want to take that word lead out Mm -hmm. and say, how do you steward your influence? Mm -hmm. Because that's a very different concept. So how do you steward your influence through a season of loss? Mm. Um, You know, it's interesting. I lost
1: my mom in 2016 and I actually just started a job at our church as their care pastor, just when I lost her. And, um, It was hard. There's no question about it. But I think what I've learned with leading or influencing through loss is I've come to uh, embrace my messy Mm. and uh, my humanity. Because what I've come to realize early on in my career when I first started being a psychologist, you should have seen me. I mean, I, (laughs) I had my hair all up in a French twist bun, wearing a suit and everything. Cause I was trying to pretend to be a TV psychologist. No, I wasn't even on TV then. <laughs> I was just like a psychologist. But you were pretending to also, be the TV I psychologist. I was also young and I looked young for my age. So it was part of that. But what I, what I started to realize as I matured uh, as a psychologist and as an influencer was the more I showed up as me, mm. the more that people were drawn to me and the more I was actually able to reach them and influence them. And I was talking to um, a friend recently who's also somebody I've led, had the privilege of leading, and I loved her pieces. She was saying, you know, we would have gone to the ends of the earth for you. And I was like, why? And she says, because I knew you had my back. And I knew that whatever I was going through, you would be there with us through it. And I think for me, it's as I am able to see that and recognize and accept that in myself, Mm -hmm. I can do the same for others. So when I was less than, you know, we talked about this, strive to be better and almost perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, that was actually the thing that helped me to not have to be perfect. And I could just be broken and human Mm -hmm. and all of that. And when I could be um, honest in my grief with whomever I was with and and influencing, and um, I saw that it actually... Uh, encouraged them and inspired them, mm-hmm. that was a game changer for me. It really was. Uh, it was an encouragement, e- even in the way when I would have speaking engagements and the Lord would say, no, 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 you're not talking about that thing that you prepared. You're going to talk about this. And I'd be like, what? That's so vulnerable. And the Lord would be, just trust me. And I would bring vulnerability that wasn't like, I mean, this side of heaven, I'm not finished. I'm not going to be mm-hmm. finished, but I was able to talk about God working in me and the hope that I felt and all of those things, it was, it it just transformed the impact that I had on others. And I didn't realize it at the time because he was just asking me to trust him and to walk out in faith. So when you've lost, and, and aside from my, my, my mother's death, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. My husband was diagnosed with cancer. My husband lost his job at the time. It was so intense that I, season. I, I couldn't keep it together and mm-hmm. I, I couldn't even try to keep it together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, that actually opened me up to um, receive from others and not just be that leader who's self-sufficient and mm-hmm. just had it all figured out, mm-hmm. but also that um, I gave myself much more grace than I would have normally done so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that, Transparency and vulnerability calls out in others really beautiful things, not just with their own transparency, but their desire to come alongside me. Mm -hmm. So we really did. I mean, I think about some of the work that I had the privilege of doing during that time. And it was just unbelievable Mm -hmm. because people rallied around that vulnerability that I had. And we did this together. It wasn't just me having to be the strong leader.
0: And I think that is, well, and I know I have wrestled with that, this Mm -hmm. idea of, I need to be the strong one to help everybody else, even when I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. And I know that in my, so when I lost my dad, it was actually an enormous season of loss. And I've shared this a few times, but we, I lost five employees over the course of three months or four months. And, um, Three family members. Mm-hmm. So we had my dad and then two other family members, yeah, um, really pass intense. away. Yeah. One that was the, born the same week as my daughter. And so oh it was my. a, like a baby oh basically. My. And it was, it was hard. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I mean, I think in that time, I give myself a lot of grace now when I even think it wasn't that long ago, but I still give myself a lot of grace thinking back on it because I think I was just doing all that I could to just keep myself together because I had a little baby, I had, you know, I had a business, I had to do all these things. But at the same time, I actually saw people walk away from me as well Mm. because either I kind of just got hard in my trying to keep it all together and be the leader rather than saying i'm stewarding my influence well i think that's actually a really practical shift in language that i may have actually been trying to lead instead of just saying this is where i'm at in this season and i need others to rally around me exactly. but i did lose people and mm-hmm. i don't know if that's just cuz they couldn't handle the grief <laughs> or you or- lost people that uh you were carrying
1: mm-hmm. and you and since you could no longer carry them they they stepped away i mean we you know we talked about uh, during our lunch, about people who are sort of chronically struggling and always needing support. Yes, and so maybe those are the people that stepped away from your life, and that's that good. you don't realize, right? Yeah, I, I was I was thinking about. Um, so this year, my father passed away, so that was another loss. And um, the when I got the news that his cancer was terminal, I was actually in the middle of hanging out with some female leaders. Uh, and mm-hmm. we were in the middle of a deep, uh, spiritual work. Um, and, uh, I, everything in me wanted to hide away and not go out there. And the Lord said to me, no, 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 you're going out there and you're going to be honest with where you're at. So I went out of the room and I was, uh, a mess and the women just surrounded me and they prayed for me and they loved on me. And, uh, and you know, the, the they were all women who themselves, um, Where mothers themselves had various experiences of having lost parents as well. It was one of the richest times of my life in my grieving, even though the grief was really hard. And I'm not used to um, crying in front of others. Uh, I was teased a lot. You know, I was a very sensitive kid. I was Mm -hmm. teased a lot and called the crybaby all the time. So I learned to shut that down big time. Mm -hmm. So that I was able to be that vulnerable with a group of uh, strong, well, who I consider strong, godly women, was such a gift to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think it made me a better uh, person as a result, a better leader, a better influencer. And it it helped me integrate. I think that's probably the best way mm-hmm. to integrate my losses, my fears, my insecurities, my struggles into all that I bring to this world so that we went back to that stewarding our influence. Well, it's not just stewarding out of our strength. It's actually stewarding out of our humanity. Mm. Yeah.
0: And that allows softness because that mental image I was telling you that I have of what a leader looks like, that's not soft, is no. it? And yet we are created to be tender mm-hmm. like Jesus too. And Absolutely. just has, we're created that way. Yeah. Like you're a mom too, mm-hmm. and there's a tenderness and a fierceness in me mm-hmm. because I am a mom. Oh, mama bear, yeah, too. that mm-hmm. I never could have imagined. Like I cried more, like <laughs> I've cried more since I've been a mom than ever in my life because there is a tenderness. Mm-hmm. Also, she makes me insane. Yes, but I am first called to. I'm first called to influence her. Mm-hmm. So if I'm to use that as a model, yeah, my tenderness is really important. Mm-hmm. What are the other things that you have seen like as you're as as you're stewarding your influence? Mm-hmm. What are some other critical pieces? So like being able to be real. Mm-hmm. I know that you're you've talked about finding your people. Mm-hmm. You're talking about and I'm just asking about softness. Is there anything else? Like part of it is also about thick skin too. Like how do you Well, yeah. How do you do that? I was just going to say that it's
1: um, you know, If you're influencing, and that means that you're going to be walking amongst people, people will have their own insecurities and they will project it onto you. Mm -hmm. They'll have their own fears and you have to not take things so personally. People respond primarily out of their own issues uh, and you may trigger certain responses in them, especially when you are in a position of influence and it could be beautiful and it could be really ugly. Mm -hmm. And so being able to not let that, uh, define you or hold you back. And I, I only speak, I say that because that's been my experience that I have let people hold me back because of that. And I don't want to do that anymore. I like, I am done with that, <laughs> <So good. laughs> uh, you know? So it's, you know, thick skin may be part of it, but I think it's being able to like, um, as the hurts come to you, I don't want to be hard about it because mm-hmm. when arrows are coming my way, And it's not just the enemy, which I'm deflecting off, but like Mm -hmm. from people, like I will want to examine like, Lord, are you letting this pain pierce me? Because there's something you're showing Mm -hmm. me that you want to grow in me. Uh, And then how much of it is mine that I need to own and how much of it do I need to kind of just push back to him? So uh, I was sitting uh, talking to a, a person and she was saying things that were recently that were hurtful. And I just started to pray, which is not my normal response. My normal response would have been to get defensive or to try to find ways to just justify myself to her. But instead I just started to pray for her. And when I did that, first of all, it stopped hurting because Mm. I very quickly the Lord showed me that it was her stuff and I didn't need to carry it. Uh, So having the wisdom to know that it's not your Mm. stuff and to be able to let that go. Um, I already said, Self-leadership is another factor that's really, really Mm -hmm. key. Like know your blind spots Mm -hmm. and don't just know your blind spots. Um, Don't just know the areas that you have to grow. Like like insight is useless unless it's lived out in how you live, Mm -hmm. how you do life. So taking your knowledge and actually transforming it into action and how you respond. So like real time, knowing that what's going on inside of me as I'm responding to that situation or to that person. Mm
0: -hmm. Like,
1: like studying yourself isn't about navel gazing. It It isn't about being narcissistic. It's about knowing your um, blind spots. That's going to take you down possibly, but it's also knowing yourself to know when the real you needs to show up and that that's God in you. I think that God gives, you know, there's, Kajillion of us in this world, and all of us, because God is bigger than all of us, we get to reflect a tiny, tiny part of who God is. And if we don't step into that, then we are diminishing God's glory in that part that we uh-huh. are. So I would say, with the self. Uh, leadership isn't just about, oh, I'm looking at all my weaknesses and I'm worrying about all that, and I got to self manage mm-hmm. all that, which is what we tend to think mm-hmm. about when we talk about self leadership. It's actually back to the stewarding thing, not just stewarding the influence well, but stewarding who you are mm. and your gifts and your talents and what God's calling you to do, stewarding that well and not shirking from it.
0: And okay, so very, very practically, mm. if you don't have a friend who's a psychologist, <laughs> And I actually, one of my other good friends is a counselor, you know. Oh, you're just surrounded, um, I'm, Ellen. I'm, it's, it's helpful. It's yes. very helpful for me. Not that, you know, I'm not using people. I'm not using you as a psychologist. No, I don't feel used. I'm just very grateful for that. But I think one of the big pitfalls of what we, like, quote, unquote, leadership is that we don't necessarily have truth tellers around us. Mm -hmm. So you're a truth teller. You've Mm -hmm. been very kind in telling me the truth. But like even when I was under an enormous amount of strain um, Mm -hmm. recently, uh, you and I did my Enneagram test with you, you actually sent me a message saying, are you still alive? (laughs) (laughs) Because it showed up. Like it showed up. And that's truth telling. Yeah. And and you didn't just tell me the truth. You told me the truth because you cared, and you followed up with me and said, in the, when we're talking today, we're talking all about you because mm-hmm. we need to sort this out, and you helped me. Mm-hmm. But not everybody has that mm-hmm. because it's scary to mm-hmm. be vulnerable. And it's, and, and it's scary for a reason because it's not always safe. Mm-hmm. And so it should be safe, but it's not. Mm-hmm. So how do you become self-aware if you don't have those safe people to process with, because we all have 18 books that we are supposed to have read and the models to go along with them. Mm -hmm. But how do you do that? Well, self-leadership
1: also means uh, you be a safe person Mm -hmm. because if you don't, if you're not surrounded by safe people, then is there something about you that you need to work on? Mm -hmm. So if you make that hurts, I know. Well, that's me being a truth teller here. (laughs) So if you, if you work hard on making yourself safe for others, you will naturally attract other beautiful, safe people. And so if you have that, uh, and then because you've learned how to be safe for yourself and safe with yourself, that's going to sound kind of Mm a little bit like, you know, navel gazing, but uh, then you have the uh, capacity to risk in Mm -hmm. relationship. You are going to be comfortable enough to say, I'm going to, put myself out there and I'm gonna try to be vulnerable and I'm gonna try to be more transparent. Mm -hmm. And you're gonna do it wisely because if you've not done this before, you're not gonna go blah and put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. You're gonna do it wisely and just try with something Mm -hmm. small Mm -hmm. and then see how the other people respond. And Mm -hmm. if they respond in a safe way where you feel safe, Mm -hmm. not just that you are safe, you actually feel it. You feel understood. You feel their empathy, you feel their they're there with you, Mm -hmm. then you can risk a little bit more and risk a little bit more. And chances are there are probably people in your life already that uh, you just haven't recognized Mm -hmm. and haven't asked them to step into that place because you've been busy trying to be self-sufficient, which is another word for- that's big. (laughs) uh, I was going (laughs) to say self-sufficiency, if I'm going to be honest with myself, my self-sufficiency comes from my woundedness in my childhood where I- believe the lie. I'm on my own. I have mm. to figure it out on my own because I was essentially left to figure things out on my own mm-hmm. for a whole variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. And um, so that I found my sense of, and I'm saying this in quotes, of worth based on being able to be competent, capable, take care of things on my own. So what that did was it didn't let people in to help me. Uh, I don't expect much from people that I'm not going to get much from them either. And until... I was probably not until I, I would say into my late 30s, early 40s, before I finally wondered why I was constantly surrounded by people that seemed to want a piece of me but wouldn't mm. give back. That I started to realize, hmm, maybe what is it about me? And I actually had a friend say, say to me when she was praying for me, she says, I see a wall around your heart. I'm like, oh because I, I give of my heart like i am a heart forward person and i give but my, there's a wall around my heart that was a self protective i don't didn't trust people at that time to care for my heart well mm. and so i didn't even know what i needed or wanted it was always outward focused and, and, and like don't think of that as being unselfish because yeah. i was getting my needs met i felt a sense of worth and then back again mm-hmm. i have to out give people right so, when I started to realize about myself, I really prayed about the people that God would allow me to be in friendship with. And during that season, um I lost some friends because I started to realize how unhealthy they mm-hmm. were. And I gained new friends. And uh, when I began to um, enter into these friendships, it wasn't easy because when you trust, they're not going to always respond in the best possible way because remember you're 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 doing life with people who are also growing and they're also broken people. So it was having to trust their motives enough, if not their actions and their words, and to keep pushing through. And we had conflicts, we had hurts, we had to talk through, oh man, did we ever. But today and now into my fifties with these friends that I've had for now a number of years, um, I joke, like I want to be buried with them. That's how close we are. Uh, because they know everything possible about me. And not only do I trust that they're going to love me through tough times, I know they're going to call
0: me on things. And I need
1: that. I really need that.
0: And, I've talked a lot about how leadership is lonely mm-hmm. and what you're telling me is you're not lonely. No, you've got your people. And so for and like, I, this is, I think this is a big topic mm-hmm. about why we are lonely as leaders. Cause I, do you see that? That, that uh, so many leaders right. are super lonely because yeah. I get it. Mm-hmm. Like, and I mean, I live in a bit in an isolated community. I'm so grateful that you would drive to see me um, and spend time with me. But how do you, so if you are not surrounded, like say you're, say you're in a rural com- community in Canada and you're a leader and, um, it's hard to find your people who get you well, and to be vulnerable with. Cause it sounds honestly, yeah. like it can sound like total arrogance to be like, my life is amazing. I get to travel all over the world. And I mean, I'm not saying this about myself, but people may look at my social feed and think the same thing. Like she's got this great family. Um, she loves like the beautiful things like my, I'm always crafty and doing this. You've got a great cat. <laughs> she has a great kid. She has a business. It's successful. She gets to travel to Nashville or do this. She can't be lonely, mm-hmm. but it's pretty lonely because you know what? It's hard to stand on the playground at school and feel like, and you know, and, and I just want to talk to people and they're like, well, I read your blog and that shuts them right down. Right. So how do you build friendship Mm -hmm. if it's hard to do that at home?
1: Yeah. And that is true. Uh, Well, I have all sorts of answers. I would say uh, we do live in the world uh, nowadays where uh, friendship is as accessible as my internet is. Mm -hmm. So one of my closest, closest friends lives in Vancouver and she and I uh, regularly meet once a month and our conversations are about as transparent as can be. And we don't actually do life together because she lives across the country but she knows things about my life that uh, people who are uh, n- like sitting next to me mm-hmm. would not necessarily know. So uh, heart friendships aren't necessarily going to have to be physically present. That's good. Right? That's good. So there's that piece of it. But the other you know, piece of it is that even in a rural community or even in a community where there doesn't seem to be a lot of people, you, you, you have to know that everybody is created for connection. And mm. even if they're not admitting it to themselves, everybody is seeking that connection. Uh, not always in the healthiest way, but there are people who could be your people, even in your neighborhood that you just don't realize. I, I was listening to a speaker. He was talking about the reticular activation system. So when you buy a new car, <laughs> okay, yeah, sorry, that sort go brainiac <laughs> on you. Uh, when you buy a new car, all of a sudden you notice it all over the place, right? On the road. Okay. So it's yes, the same thing. Yes, that's brain. right. Yeah. yeah so the, our brain, when we start to think about something, it starts to notice things. So if we start right. to think about friendship and people and and we have positive anticipation of the relationships that we can develop, we're going to start to notice it. Right. But if right. our activating system is thinking negative, then we're going to notice right. all the
0: reasons why people are not. So we can change. We can. Yeah. It's like a red green show. I can change <laughs> yeah. if I want to. That's right. I guess. You're aging yourself saying oh. that. <laughs> Mary, this is so good. <laughs> I got to say, you know, honestly, I think this is a different conversation, a different conversation than we could have even imagined. Know, like, where I did know. it go? Yeah, And and I think one of the last things I want to talk, because this is about ministry and leadership and marketing mm-hmm. as well. And I know we've worked with you a little bit here and there on marketing over the years. And, um, and I want to say that one of the things you've been very good at doing is going where opportunities are, but not exploiting them. Mm. Because there are some people who will milk that opportunity for everything it's got, and you just don't seem to be that person. I try not um, to be, yeah. <laughs> which is really good. I hate but, that, to be honest, so. <laughs> you, So how do you keep that balance as well? And I guess, um, because part of it is, like, you were building a business as well. So mm-hmm. this isn't just about ministry mm-hmm. um, and about leadership, but you have been building a business and a thriving practice and all of those different, and not just one business, but different businesses. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And so how do you balance that I need to steward my influence well and I need to earn money for my family, but I also don't want to be inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Like I need to, that's part of stewarding the influence well. So mm-hmm. how do you do that? I think because I am a relationship builder. Uh, and when
1: I when I enter into a relationship with anyone, whether it's for business or personal, um, I want the person to walk out of that. Interaction with me having gained. And I, and I want to be generous in how I do that. Uh, so if I'm walking into every situation with that attitude of generosity, then uh, it, things just start to happen on its own. And, and I don't intend to do that. And I have to be careful that I'm not doing it manipulatively. And I don't think I am. So the, my practice, when I first started it uh, back in the late 90s, I didn't actually have to do anything. To build it. I mean, people just came client wise, <laughs> but also um, therapists wanted to join the practice, and it was based on the fact that they knew I actually liked them and I liked mm-hmm. to hang out with them and I, and I uh, was relational. Mm-hmm. And so I think that can go a really long way. Um, the other thing, too, is uh, it, being a catalyst, I get excited about new opportunities. And uh, one of the things that uh, I have learned to do is mm-hmm. to just knock on doors, send out emails, uh, make the phone calls, whatever it is, Mm. uh, and then trust the Lord as he opens and closes them. So I don't have to self-promote, he'll do it because Mm -hmm. if it's for his purposes or his ministry, and he knows that I need to take care of my family as well. And maybe this is a naive thing because my husband is so much better with finances than I am. And somehow I've managed to like model my way through a business that has always been financially thriving when I really... I'll tell you a, a funny joke. So, you know, when I first got one of those things to do Visa and MasterCard, right? Yeah. Uh, he said to me one day, he says, you know, you got a bunch of therapists there and we would, we didn't have admin at that time. So everyone just did it themselves. He says, how do you, who tracks on the accuracy of it? And I was like, well, I have noticed there's been a few mistakes, but I figure you win some and you lose some. Sometimes we overcharge and sometimes we <laughs> undercharge. It all ends up being okay. And he's like, that's not how it works.
0: Anyway, I, I totally digress. get that. I digress. Um, where was I going with that? The leaders don't have to be perfect. You're not have to also, and we don't have to know how to do we don't, everything. We don't have to, and the
1: other thing is the partnership. Like even what you said, mm-hmm. uh, partnering up with, with great people like you, I don't have to have all the mm-hmm. answers to it. And so that's been not just generous in terms of the relationships that I have and what I'm able to do, but also like generously seeing the gifts that people mm-hmm. are to me mm-hmm. and just being so grateful for that.
0: Yeah, and you know, I really feel like the collab- that collaboration mm-hmm. is the future of changing leadership as well. Yeah. Like I think that part of being a change maker mm. and I'm seeing this start now, like I just have seen recently two major organizations, two major nonprofits combine forces because they can do more good mm-hmm. together. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think we're seeing that. And that has been my conviction, not just, I mean, this is a business that I run, but it really is also a ministry because Mm -hmm. we're supporting all these incredible people doing incredible things around the world. But I... Part of the reason why we're doing this podcast is because this is part, this is collaboration. Mm -hmm. And as people get to listen in to what we're talking about, we get to collaborate with them. Like it's a mutual win, right? So this isn't, this podcast isn't about promoting us. It's not about promoting you. Mm -hmm. It's about saying, how can we actually share what's in our heads Mm -hmm. so that the next generation of people who are stewarding their influence well. Um, have what they need and have what they need. And Mm -hmm. there will be people our age or whatever, whatever that is learning from us as well. And I'm just so grateful for your collaboration as a friend Mm -hmm. and just as a really wise person. Thank you. Yeah. And someone who will ask me if I'm dying (laughs) and help me out of that pit too. I mean, that's, that was part of it. I know I had to shock you you did because i needed shock <laughs> yeah. it was a bit shocking i was i was and you were like okay let's keep you out of burnout before you're burned out because i've been there and, yeah. and yeah. so just sharing your story with mm-hmm. me even was so good so we have so much more to talk about but i think we are going to just have to finish it there and maybe yeah. just try again sure. next time yeah next yeah. time sounds good i'm so grateful you been. now okay anyone who wants to connect with you will make sure that the the um urls all the information is in the show notes but it's dr m-e-r-r-y like happy yeah dr mary.com and uh yeah i know everyone is going to love this and it will be i am so grateful that we got to help people today so thanks so much yeah thank you thank you for listening to this episode of the change makers podcast brought to you by graph martin communications your marketing team for good GraphMartin Communications is Canada's leading PR and marketing agency serving faith based organizations from coast to coast. Visit graphmartin.com to learn more.